0: Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org.
1: There's no more comforting doctrine in Christianity than that of the total depravity of man. (laughs) She says if you believe in the total depravity of man, then any depravity that's in your own heart, you'll be able to deal with. Yeah. Because it's expected. If you believe you're basically a good person... Any depravity that's in your heart is going to freak you out and you're going to have to either, you know, blame shift or you're going to have to make up an excuse or you're going to whatever, yeah. but you're not going to be able to deal with it. Yeah. And, uh, and only in the told depravity of man do we see the full picture of God's love for us. And then in that, do we find true healing?
0: Man, that's so awesome. Yeah. With that note, let's start the podcast, man. <laughs> let's
1: do it. Dude. Yeah, that's
0: great. Welcome to the Running Light Podcast, the Better Pleasure Podcast. This is Bo. And Peter. And we're here to talk to you guys today um, about, uh, you know, we usually talk about porn and sexuality and sex and sexual immorality. But I thought today, um, me and Peter both have had a long week and uh, I know a lot on the mind. And I thought, man, today might be a good day just to kind of kick around some passages that we love so much about the Bible and the scripture. And um, kind of one of some of the big doctrines that we kind of hold on to. You just quoted... Um, a really cool um, person who talked about total depravity, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, Dorothy Sayers. She was a, she's a fiction writer. Uh, she's, she's passed away now, but she was actually a really good friend to C.S. Lewis. And uh, after World War II, uh, so many people in Europe were appalled at the brutality that happened from, you know, Western civilized white people. And everyone started freaking out because they're like, you know, how we thought we were on the, you know, incline, you know, that humanity was evolving and, and progressing and we were becoming more and more docile. And then all of a sudden you see the the atrocities that happened in World War II, not just mm-hmm. from the Germans, but from the allies who uh, came through German territories, firebombing whole cities with women and children. And, mm-hmm. uh, of course, the nuclear bombs we dropped on Japan, uh, non-military targets. And uh, that question comes up of like, you know, it it threatened to send Europe into just unbelievable amounts of despair. Mm. And she said there is no more doctrine, more comforting than the total depravity of man that is found within the Bible. Because what she said is like, if I believe in the doctrine of total depravity of man, then all the atrocities that are found in the war of uh, the war to end all wars. I can look at it and just say, well, that's that's to be expected from people who, you know, spend their entire lives running away from God and not mm-hmm. submitting to his leadership. You know, when you reject the Prince of Peace, you you have to embrace something, right? Yeah. And uh, she said, not only that, but only through the total depravity of man are do we have the strength to fight the, uh, the sin that's in our own lives. You know, and I was telling you about yeah. uh, me and some of my buddies, you know, coming back from the war. And, you know, I, I deployed two times over to Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, the war zones, I was in Marja city, I did uh, a push into Marja city in 2010 Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I definitely saw some things and my friends saw some things and coming back, you know, a lot of my buddies, they self-medicate with alcohol and drugs, but, uh, a lot of them that are diagnosed with PTSD now, they, they have a, they have their definite share of drugs that are given to them by the government and Mm -hmm. hospitals and, and whatnot. And, uh, the the problem that we have in our society is when you have negative behavior exhibited by a person and that guilt and that shame starts to sink in uh the only real place you could go is to post traumatic stress which is just it's it's brought on by severe amounts of guilt and depression mm-hmm. and it and it exhibits itself in violence and addiction behaviors and things like that and uh what society has done for these men what we're trying to do for them is we'll just say hey we just need to validate them you know so if i you know, whenever I tell any of, uh, you know, any of my family or friends a story of what happened to me over in Afghanistan, no matter how horrible the story is, um, and I could tell you definitely some pretty spine-tingling ones, uh, they'll just look at me and be like, Peter, that was war. You know, it's it's okay, that was war. And uh, that's great to validate someone like that. But the problem is, is that that validation doesn't take away my responsibility and my actions. Mm. And if, if someone just validates me and they don't force me to look at my responsibility, then I'm never going to be able to change from the person that I am. And that's why, that's what Dorothy Sayers is is getting at. she's saying, man, in the total depravity of man, we also have the total love of God for people who are that wicked. And then when you meet, god at the cross the, the beautiful thing is now i get to see the things that i'm responsible for mm. and i'm able to see the forgiveness of god in that moment yeah and i'm able to move on and heal yeah
0: yeah that's beautiful you know the the bible does teach that total depravity for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god mm. so um you know life is is for everybody life is tough um Because of this doctrine, (laughs) you know, Uh, no one gets out of jail. No one gets out of this. You know, whether you're a materialist, um, secularist, humanist, or whether you're a Christian, Hmm. um, you don't get out of this one. Hmm. You know, this one is something we're all chained to. Um, And it certainly is, I think, led even... Atheistic philosophers, you know, I think of guys like Jean-Paul Sartre or Albert Camus, you know, but it leads leads them to contemplate, you know, uh, man's total depravity, hmm. you know, and um, try to find a solution to it, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, you know, and uh, uh, certainly I think there's no greater place than, you know, in our sexuality, that we see total depravity because um, it's just is it, it just is amazing how much depravity there is when it comes to sexuality mm. um that's in our world you know Um I think in a, a lot of my research over the years um, you know I, I'm always you know trying to get snapshots of what's current what's happening in in the yuck world of of um kind of adult entertainment Mm. and, um, and, and, you know, I think no, I, for, for a guy who doesn't, uh, is not continually watching it, you know, whenever you do come across it, it's always like, whoa, you know, it's there's always that like, man, dude, this, this is gnarly, Mm. (laughs) you know? Um, and I got to imagine that it, you know, that it impacts those that are doing it and videoing themselves and, uh, too, even though it, it, you know, it seems like there's always this culture of saying, no, there's no ramifications for it. Right. You know, there's no problem, but, but it just, it, it seems like life, this, this idea of total depravity just isn't gonna let us go. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's why I've always liked, I think Ezekiel 23 three two, you know, cause there you see such a vivid picture of sexual total depravity. Yeah. Where, um, you know, when you say okay to just your sex, just doing what you want to do, um, you know, then that lust takes over, and and you find yourself um, what you thought was going to be freedom. You you found a bondage, hmm. um, in in such a worse way yeah. than you ever imagined.
1: Yeah, and that's that's such a great point, Bo, because you know, not not only in the total depravity we have, but in this this whole topic of victims versus you know perpetrators and all that. Yeah, I know in my counseling and I know in your counseling, the vast majority of people I counsel on this area can point back to some sort of a a victimization that happened to them. Mm. You know, whether it is, you know, their dad, you know, uh, exposed in pornography really young, an uncle touched them, um, there was some sort of molestation from a neighbor, Mm. uh, something like that, or even uh, some people who grew up relatively normal and in their teenage years something warped them, a bad relationship. Mm. Uh, or something like that. Or even, even, even more recently, you know, where, you know, uh, I'll be talking to wives who's, who've been devastated by their, their husband's adultery or, or whatever. And what I found in these people, and I'm sure you have too, is that, uh, like you said, in that pain, in our pain, we seek something to normalize what's happened to us. Mm. And, uh, the danger is, is that we think that that's freedom and it, it, it ends up hurting us even worse. Mm. And so, you know, when we as Christians, when we're thinking about these topics, it's like, you know, it's so easy to look at someone who's been, you know, violated and just look at them and be like, hey, you know, your behavior is okay, you know, because of what happened to you. Mm -hmm. But um, down the road, you know, how many favors are you really doing that person uh, to continue to allow them to hurt themselves? And normally what I've found is that the victims of yesterday end up becoming the perpetrators of tomorrow, you know and that's that's a real issue there too of like you know yeah it's it's terrible you know what happens to people in their childhood but if then you know some some kid is is abused by their father grows up and then abuses his kids mm. you know then you're just perpetuating a cycle
0: yeah yeah it's so true you know i always you know you talk about like responsibility and um and that's tough for us as human beings anyway, <laughs> you know, and that's why I total depravity, that teaching of that we're sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. so tough because there's something in us, that pride that wants to go, no, yeah. you know, I'm okay. Um, I, you know, I was reading Isaiah 30 again the other day and it starts off, it's a cool chapter because it starts off, woe to the rebellious children says the Lord who take counsel, but not in me and who devise plans, but not of my spirit. Mm. And it says that they may add sin to sin.
1: Mm.
0: And and that's so, so much on that line of total depravity, because it's that idea of taking, you know, we have to take full responsibility, you know, that that, I, you know, there is counsel from God. Mm. And and when I choose to reject that counsel, um, there is a consequence to it, mm. you know, in this life, um, whether it's the reaping and sowing principle. Or in the life to come, you know, um, for someone who's does not believe, you know, that's some heavy consequences. Yeah, you know, but that's tough for us as human beings to really take look at this passage and go, well, man, you know, God, did I? I mean, man, it's much easier. It, it, it's so much easier to uh, deflect and say, hey, it's you know, God, I was this happened to me, and I can understand when you're a kid and you really have uh, something happens to you, but mm-hmm. as you get older. You know, we become more responsible uh, for our actions. Um, And God's word tells us um, clearly, even if no one else tells me, you know what I mean? Even if no one else comes to me and says, hey, this is this or this is that. Mm. I mean, God's word is there, you know, and it tells me, hey. You know, this is what God says. You know, I think of First Thessalonians chapter 4. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Mm. You know, that each of you should know how to possess his own body, mm. you know. And, I mean, that's clear. I mean, it's just <laughs> clear as ever.
1: It's clear as day, yeah. Even Even last night I was talking to a gentleman at the Salvation Army. And uh, this is a dude who's been through the program a couple times, which we see every now and then when me and Bo have been uh, going there for a couple years now. So we see some uh, guys who complete the program and then they end up in it again because they fall back into their junk. And, And he's just like, he came to me last night. He's just like, dude, like, he's like, this is so hard. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, man. He's like, I thought that all I had was like drugs. And he's like, but now I realize that. I have all this selfishness and I've been treating women wrong and it's my sexuality is just off. And I've been doing all these vile things and I just realized what a you know, he, he called himself a cuss word. But he's <laughs> just like, you know what, what a jerk I've been, you know, and yeah. he, and he, and he's just like lamenting like this. And, uh, and I, I just looked at him and I was like, well, what kind of people did Jesus hang out with? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I mean, what kind of people did he hang out with? And he's like, well, the disciples. I was like, well, yeah, he hung out with the disciples. That's true. And they were kind of a mess. But I was like, but, you know, when you see Jesus hanging out with people, you see him hanging out with tax collectors, prostitutes, people like that. And the reason why he hung out with people like that is because if I, if I went to a prostitute today, if I, if I went to, you know, down off sixth and came up to a prostitute. I, and I asked her like, hey, how do you feel like you are in righteousness? Do you think you're a righteous person? Dude, there's no way she would say, yeah, she would be, she would be fully aware of her depravity. Mm-hmm. And that was what Jesus used to help save people. And that's why we have a beautiful passage that I love. First Timothy one, verse 13, where Paul says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came for sinners of whom I am chief, you know, so unless I acknowledge my told depravity before God, I can't receive his forgiveness You know, because up until that point of me expressing my my depravity before him, I can never hear him say, forgiven. Mm. All I'm going to hear him say is like, well, you're excused. You know, there's an excuse for why you did this, and that's okay. And if I don't learn how to receive that level of forgiveness from God, I mean, how am I going to deal with the, the guilt, the daily guilt and shame over all the many, many mistakes I make every single day mm. and the consequences of them? I mean, not, none of us are going to live a life where we can honestly look at the, you know, the way we treat our kids, the way we treat our spouses and be like, yeah, I was flawless. You know, none of right. my actions had any negative yeah. consequences on them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not true. You know, your con the, the actions that I commit today. Are going to have a lasting consequence on the people I'm with, mm-hmm. and either I could deflect that and say like, "Oh, that doesn't matter because I went to war once," or I could say, "You know what? That matters, but I'm forgiven." Mm. You know, but I'm forgiven. And so that you're taking me. the
0: responsibility. So you do take the responsibility for it, but then you're then what you're doing is is you're moving into the idea of grace, mm. is what Jesus has done for you. That's right. That's and right. So it's so it'd be it'd be worse if you. I mean, I mean, what you're saying is like some people, maybe uh, all of us at some point, don't want to take that responsibility. Mm. You know, we'd rather, you know, deflect it, put it on something else, like an, an excuse. You said, like, you know, hey, it's someone else's. It's not really me. I'm the victim. Da 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 da. So, and that really, def- that really, what that does is that really prevents us from really receiving that grace mm. for what we really need. That's and, right. And that's that forgiveness. Yeah. So. All right, so it's better just to kind of come correct in a sense and just <laughs> go before God. And, you know, I think I was thinking of Psalm 32, um, which is, you know, we both have brought up that psalm quite a bit mm. um, in our life. Um, but it says for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me, mm. you know, and there's and again, when you're talking about, uh You know God's heavy hand on you. I don't think anybody goes, man. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Um, because we all know what that feels like when you feel guilty and you feel, uh, you know, shame, Mm. and you feel, you know, um, just very lost Mm. in that. You know, and um, maybe hopeless. Mm. You know, and here King David. You know, of all the people, this great man, King David. You know, people, that's what people call him, you know, a great man. Mm. You know, it says, for day and night, your heavy hand was upon me. My va- vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Mm. So this guy is like very much depressed. Mm. And and then he says, but I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I will, c- I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin, mm. you know. I mean, King King David, uh, along with many other people, could could certainly blame a lot of different things. Yeah. You know, Saul's stubbornness, you know, of staying in the in the on the throne when God told him years before, like, hey, dude, you're not going to be a king. You know, instead, he just hunkered down and said, I'm going to (laughs) do it. You know, I mean, maybe that was maybe that that uh, contributed to David's life, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and things like that. We could always kind of point maybe to something, I guess that's my point and maybe blame, you know, but David here takes that responsibility and feels that heavy hand. And I think all of us at times have to feel that. And it's, it's good. It's okay. You know, um, no matter what the world says about um, having to face up to what we've done Mm. and, and, and saying, "Hey God, you know, I need you. Um, I need to rely fully on your grace. Um, you know, I'm, I'm laying out before you. You know, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, that kind of attitude. So that, those those are important. I, I mean, very good points. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I think about you know the the most beautiful part of the message of told depravity is found, in I, I think like Ephesians four, where Paul talks about the new man versus the old man. And what, what the Christian is able to do, and it is a n- unique ability for, that, uh, for the regenerate soul, it is something that the unregenerate soul just cannot do. The, the Christian is able to understand something. When I become saved, I have a dichotomy within my personhood, meaning I have a, an old nature who is wicked and must be crucified, while I also have a new nature that does desire the correct things of God mm-hmm. and m- must be glorified. And so for the Christian, the beautiful thing that we're able to do is I'm able to look at my faults and I'm able to look at the the wrong things that I've done and I'm able to put them on that old man and just say, you know, that's who I was, you know, but that's what Christ saved me from. So I'm able to acknowledge them, bear responsibility of them, have those things met and justified before the cross. And then I can now move on without identifying myself with those behavior traits, yeah. You know, which is the the great uh, that's going to destroy all of us. I mean, if I if I start identifying myself with my weaknesses and I start saying I am an addict, I am this, I am that. Dude, there's no hope for me, you know, because that guilt is going to overwhelm my heart. And I'm, there's no way I'm going to be able to get over it.
0: Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to get over something you identify with. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's it's tough, you know, especially in sexuality you know mm-hmm. it's like you have to start identifying yourself as just a child of god yeah you know and not not a dude who's into porn or not a girl who's into sleeping around or needing relationships or um or whatever it is, you know, that you need to get on your dating site and check out who's w- looking at your profile. Or, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. you have to start, you know, you, look, you, you renew your mind in that way. Mm. And you start thinking daily about, hey, you know, I'm a child of God and God has cleansed me and and he sees me right, mm. you know. And so those associations that you have with sinful behavior are the old man. And mm. you start seeing that as the old man. Yeah. And, and you start seeing that, hey... You know, um, I don't have to walk in these things anymore. I've been given a new nature, a new identity. Mm. Um, and so I can kind of tap into something else, mm. um, which is really cool. Cause I, I agree. It's like, man, it would be tough. You know, it's tough to get out of an old identity. Mm. Um, and if you don't have a new identity, mm. you know, it, it's tough. I mean, you could, you could try to do some behavior modification, but over time it's just like, Oh, well, that's me.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, instead of going, well, no, I'm a new person in Jesus Christ. That's what the word says. Mm. You know, so I'm going to trust. I'm going to put my faith in what the word says. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing daily is I'm just trusting what mm. the Lord says. Um, even though that, it comes, that comes with pain, meaning when we're walking in this duality of of the old natures there and the new man's there too, it, there's pain with that because we make decisions that maybe aren't the best. Mm in the old man and there's consequences to those things. Um, especially of the heart, you Mm. know, of just the heart, you know, there's consequences in our heart, you know, over those things. And, um, and, you know, through that though, because we have a new identity, um, we get to see kind of that heavy hand of God in a new light, that there is a, a positiveness to this, that God's teaching us through these things. Mm. Um, which is great, because before you have the new man going on in your life, and you're just in the old man, you know, then you have no hope, man. You're <laughs> just like, this is who I am again. This is who
1: I am, yeah. That's what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes: a crooked path can't be made straight. Yeah. You know, and that's how he saw his life. I'm just, I'm just crooked, man. Yeah. And I'm just always <laughs> gonna be crooked. And that's it.
0: Yeah. What does the proverb say? It says, uh, "Can a man put fire in his bosom and not be burned?" Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like, and I, I thought of that. You know, it's like you know when it comes to sexuality it's like man when you mess with even that area um you know it's just such a big area mm. it's such a strong area of our life It just it pulls so much emotion and so much of our mind and everything and god's made it like that there's no doubt about it that that uh god has created sex to be very special mm. um and um And so the abuse of it is just tremendous, Hmm. you know, the effects of it anyway. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I was thinking of that passage, too. I think it's in the Proverbs chapter five, maybe somewhere in there. But yeah, you know, I think of atheists, though, too. It's like, you know, you know, you know, when you're an atheist, you know, how do you deal with total depravity? Hmm. You know, like, you know, what you would just you would just say, well, that's just a product of who we are as animals. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so so, you know, whatever sex you have would just be an outflow of you being an animal. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, my, my brother's an atheist and I, I became an atheist for similar ways. And, uh, you know, thinking back on it and, and listening to him uh, in his speech, it's it's pretty clear, you know, when he's talking and when I would talk to people, the the reason, one of the main reasons of why he shifted from theism to atheism is because he, when he's in a a society and in, in in a in a group of people that says that his behavior is wrong, then he's racked with guilt, and if he and he tried desperately to try to stop this behavior and he couldn't, so then that guilt just increases. Yeah. And so it, it's almost like you know I would rather believe that there is no God, and be free from guilt. than to believe in God and and have guilt. And the the problem that uh, atheists are finding, the problem my brother finds, is that even when you throw off all morality and you say that there is no morality, you find that you actually can't do that. You know, there's still, the guilt still finds you. You you can't get rid of it. You know, you're always going to feel worse when you do these things. And even if you get rid of all the guilt, I mean, uh, you can't ignore the consequences of your actions. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to see that stuff every day.
0: Yeah, and an atheist still is comparing himself to other people probably all the time. Yeah. Like, hey, well, I'm not doing that, so I feel good about myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm not doing that. Meaning he has some kind of, there's some kind of moral um, law that's kind of working within his life. Yeah. You know, because he has that comparison chart always going, you know, like, hey, that guy's, that guy does that, and instead of just saying, "Oh, well, he wants to do that, let him go do that It doesn 't matter what he does instead he's like no that that guy's a mess. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah, or you know he he has that kind of idea, and so you know there is judgments that are being made, yeah. you know? especially
1: towards religious people, you know you hear atheists you know complain about religious people, and the idea is like well if i'm if i'm preconditioned to believe in god right you know, like why why do you care you know yeah." Like, what What difference does it make in your life? You know, how could you blame the ills of society on me, you know, when, and the only answer to that is, like, we all know that there's something wrong, yeah. and there has to be someone to blame. You know, I think of uh, Dennis the Menace, that movie that, yeah. that came out a while ago, uh-huh. and uh, at one point, Mr. Wilson, he just looks at what's going on, and, and uh, his wife's telling him, like, hey, you know, maybe no one did it. And he says, a tragedy of this magnitude must have someone to blame, you know, right. and he just, he has to blame someone. And, and I love that line because it is, it's how we look at our lives and it's how we look at society as a whole. Or uh-huh. when I, no one can honestly look at their life with all the tragedies that are in it you know no one's immune to pain no one's immune to heartache no one's immune to to tragedy victimization all those things it's in all of us yeah and uh, th- that's the great lie that we tell ourselves is that we hurt more than other people well the truth is we all hurt you know we all have junk in our lives we all have un- unimaginable amounts of pain mm-hmm. happening in our lives and when we look at the tragedy that is our lives or our family or our country we just feel someone's got to be to blame you know mm-hmm. there's no way i could just look at this and say it just happened you know it it just is this way or you know god forbid me to look at myself and say maybe i'm the cause you know maybe i'm the reason
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's yeah.
1: that's offensive to us
0: yeah man so so true dude such powerful stuff you know and and, and you, know, it, you know what you can't have if you have guilt you know it's because something's broken Mm. you know you broke some law and and so the only thing i could see to do uh uh in atheism is to try to get rid of that that law as best as you can yeah um and yet all the while still living within a law of your own Mm. you know creating your own law You know, to live by and to judge things by because you you can't go in life without judgments, Mm -hmm. without thinking someone's wrong or something's right or that person's worse than this person. Mm -hmm. So there's always judgment. So there's always going to be guilt, you know, because even if you have set aside God's law, you're still probably breaking your own set of laws (laughs) that you're making just for yourself. Yeah. Um, it's very rare that someone could just throw off every single law and just go, well, you know, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. I mean, we call those people crazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, so depravity certainly, uh, the best thing to do is just to realize that it's okay when we feel, uh, depraved and we see the things that we've done and we take ownership for that and we grieve over it and and i think that's what the psalms what hap, what's happening in psalm 32 is david's grieving over that he's going man you know i see god's heavy hands on me and that's a good thing man he's showing me that i have broken the law i'm i'm unholy hmm. and then we can finally get healing because we can come to the cross yeah. and we can finally go hey you know what lord you forgive me you love me you know you can teach me a new way of life because i have a new identity in you
1: yeah, and and I think about that article that we read, you know, from David Lay, yeah. yeah, and you know how he talks about the the guilt and the shame that oppresses religious people, mm. and uh, coming from my own life of struggling with that very guilt and that very shame, uh, you know, I I know how oppressive it can be, and uh, you know I don't I don't know how much of Christianity you know Dr. Lay knows, but what I I would tell someone who's struggling with that level of guilt and shame over what they're doing is that they don't know Jesus very well. You know, because the the truth is, is we as Christians is yeah, we are we are far more sinful than we would like to believe we are, but we're also far more loved than we ever care to imagine. You know, and that's that's the beauty of the gospel. And like I said, unless you have those equal parts, equal parts judgment and equal parts love, you'll never be able to correct wrongful behavior. You know, you're either be stuck in a rut, or you'll be validated, you'll be loved but you'll still be stuck in your rut. Mm -hmm. You know, there's really no two ways about it. And, uh, you even talking to a lot of, you know, people, the Salvation Army, people in our groups for a while, your family and your friends will understand you. You know, if something really terrible has happened to you for a while, people will always understand you, but there will come a time where they're going to get sick of you. Mm. And, uh, that that's the, that's the most tragic event to happen in someone's life where people are just like enough, you know, where the wife leaves you know, the family leaves they kick you out. Yeah. And, and at that point, you know, who are you going to blame? You know, where are you going to go mm. when these people who validated you for so many years are now done with you? And it's just, it's enough to destroy a person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So for those that are listening that maybe you're out there and going, man, you know, I, 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 I don't like feeling what I'm feeling. I don't, um, enjoy this. I want to, you know, and, and, you know, what we're, you know, I guess what we're saying is it's okay to feel what you're feeling, you know, when we're guilty, Mm. you know, and that's why we go to the cross, you know, and that's why, um, Jesus is, is precious to us. Um, um, it says we weren't redeemed with corruptible, uh, seed, but with incorruptible an incorruptible seed. And that's Jesus, you know, Mm. meaning, you know, we have someone who loves us, who's perfect and who, Still loves us and is still for us a hundred percent. So, it's it's kind of a good podcast because it talks a lot about. I think we're touching a lot on forgiveness. And the only the way to get true forgiveness is really to come and take true ownership of what we need to do. You know, in all of our lives. So we'll stop the podcast there, but we'll talk to you guys later. Um, you can always check us out on Twitter, or SoundCloud, or Google, or iTunes at Running Light. And you can always email us at Bo at runninglight.org, that's B E A U, or Peter, P-E-T-E-R at RunningLight.org. So we'll catch you guys next time. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, take flight and love or lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries. Psalm 36 8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the
1: river of your pleasures.